is a hero out there listening. There's a lot of heroes listening this morning. Welcome. You're listening to the Inevitable Radio Show. I'm your host, William Sumner. Thanks, everybody, for coming out. I certainly appreciate the time. I'm on Bill Sumner, Army 78. A second tool that I'm going to teach you is two words. How many of you can say the words, Hool Moss? Hool Moss. Hool Moss. This hotel, actually, is the hotel I use for my fire walks. I teach fire walking. There's three things to cross a 1,200-degree bed of hot coals, 18 to 20 feet long. One of the tools is you say as you cross the fire, cool moss. Now, in my seminars, I ask people, why do you, why do you say cool moss? And they're like, oh, psychologically, it makes the coals feel like, no. You could say red baseball bat. You just want them saying something. Because if you do not command the mind to do something, guess what it's doing? It's focused on hot, charred, bloody stumps. Are my feet on fire? How hot is it down there? When you cross, some people you'll see, they're going, cool moss, cool moss, cool moss. Some people have to cross the fire going, come on, moss, 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 moss. It doesn't matter. When you pick the aspects of the memories that you wish to play repetitively and intensely, you can command and control what takes place in your mind. So you look at your buddy that was blown away next to you, and that's what you keep thinking and feeling, and you've intensified it. It's on a movie screen. You remember every aspect of that day. You remember what you guys had for breakfast. You remember what he was saying. You remember his voice stopping in mid-sentence when the IED went off. And it's the more you play the memory the more intensely you play the memory over and over again, the more the neural patterns are wired. You can take a memory like that, and, and so you're going to follow some of the cognitive work that I'm going to do with you. You're going you're to dissociate. That's what when you take the memory and make it less than six. When you take the dissociation process, and you take the, I'm going to remember not this morning when we had breakfast and he was killed. I'm going to remember last night because we were making the video or we, we were laughing about the story. And I'm going to fiercely lock onto that memory. And I'm going to intensify that. That I'm going to put on a big movie screen. There's the whole platoon laughing. You have these moments. We were all laughing the night before. That's what I choose to remember. And a, and a car backfires. Boom. Memory is triggered. You can cool moss it. You can say, no, I'm going to let this die. I'm going to, and if it doesn't die because the car backfired, sets up a neural pattern that's now looping rapidly, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm in that memory. You have the ability. And, and the next time you ever want to mess with your memories on something that you don't want to remember the way it is, run it in reverse. It is phenomenal. And what we do, the, some of the subtleties are, I'll loop somebody through the memory. So this is this really came out of this body of work around phobia removal. So I had one client who was terrified of spiders. When was the last time a spider? Well, it was years ago. I was sitting in my basement with my husband, and a spider walked across my foot. And it totally freaked me out, and now I can't even sit in my basement. Why? Well, what if there's another spider there? Well, I want you to look down at your foot, 
Oh, I can't do it. The spider's down there. No, I want you to, you're with me. I'm safe. I'll take care of you. There's the end. But walk the spider backwards over your foot and back into the car. Because you know, you intellectually know, there's thousands of spiders in your walls. It's just they very rarely come out in the daylight and walk across your foot. So, but every time you think about it, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to put the spider back as, as much as I tell you. Because I'm tracking physical markers in their demeanor, in their eyes, in their pupils. We're, we're, we're repeating it over. We're putting it back. And now pick up your pace. Do it faster. Again, faster. Again, faster, 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 faster. The brain is kind of like, God, I can't even. It scrambles the memory. And so now where you would go to the VA and you would sit down for your 20 minutes with your psychiatrist every six months to get your meds reloaded and maybe there's some general psychology help. And by the way, you're one of the severe ones to be getting to go to the VA for the time periods that you do. And what do they have you do? Well, let's talk about the morning that this happened. Because they're trying to desensitize you to the memory. They want you to experience the memory, but in a dissociated state. Where if you're successful and you're drugged out enough, instead of cognitively dissociating from it, between the use of their associated therapy techniques and the drugs that you're on, you're kind of like sitting there with a tiny amount of drool coming out of your mouth, and you see the memory, and it doesn't bother you anymore. <coughs> you have now successfully passed through PTSD treatment. We'll have a couple of follow-ups once a year to see how you're doing. God help you, if the car backfires, you know, at the wrong time, there's a technique I teach. One of the most important tools, and this is for businessmen and women, this is for potentiality, people that really want to tap into their potential. The technique's called the old song on the radio. When an old song comes on the radio that you haven't heard for 30 years, but it's the song that you fell in love with when you were 16 years old on the beach, the song comes on the radio, I mean, instantly. You can feel the hot sand, you can smell her hair, you can taste the kiss. I mean, you're... The, the dopamine, serotonin, neural peptides that are instantly running that are attached to the song is significant, right? You guys have had those kinds of memory experiences. By the same token, if it's the song on the radio that she dumped you and broke your heart and, and left you standing there, you'll have the same memory experience, only now it's a metallic taste in your mouth, it's a it's a bitterness of the experience. It's like you feel awful. Now, as a neural technique, you can do things as trippy as, let's say today you have a business meeting, and it's something you worked on. You're meeting with a banker, a venture capitalist. You need money. You need a, you need a yes from this group. You've worked hard for this meeting, and today you're going to They have a couple final questions. You're going to get the decision. So you're in the lobby. You're all excited. The marketing assistant who's been working with you comes and picks you up. It's taking you back to the conference room. And as you walk back with her, you're scanning her. You're 100% focused on her. And she's in a remarkably good mood. You can tell it's like genuine, like, hey, Bill, man, how are you doing? Like, we're really looking forward to taking this meeting with you today. Now, karma, fate, pick your words, decides to mess with you. You're halfway down the hallway. You're 100% focused on her. And three cubicles over, let's say, as a child, you were beat with a belt by your dad. 
And every time before it beat you, he said, Dilly darn, you're going to get it now. And fate decides to mess with you. You're 100% focused on her walking down the hallway. Not only does this disembodied voice that you can barely hear, if you were even paying attention, comes out of the cubicle, not only sounds remarkably eerily like your father, he also uses the expression at just the right time to say, Dilly darn, you're going to get it now. By the time you walk into that conference room, we're halfway down the hallway, you're feeling great. What do you feel like when you walk into the hall, into that conference room? Like, like you're about to get beat. And so you start looking for why did the meeting go wrong? What's wrong with the meeting? And when you start looking for what's going to go wrong with the meeting, what do you find? And so you might end up having an outcome that you want. Maybe they overcome it. But when we look at the ebb and flow of our psychology, you know, why do I feel good now and I don't feel good then? Why is this morning I'm happy and I'm whistling and, and that morning I'm grumpy? Thank you for listening to the Inevitable Podcast. Please visit our website for more information on this extraordinary coaching system at www.theinevitableu.com. Then sign up for your two-week free trial of our membership to gain access to hundreds of hours of amazing content and tools just like this. Now back to Bill. When you get into this cognitive body of work, when you get into your ability to manage your emotional intensity, because most of our culture teaches that if you want to be depressed and you go into work and you're not feeling good, half to three-fourths of the office will go, Bill, what's wrong? Man, I'm grumpy today. <gasps> Me too. Let's go to lunch and talk about how depressed and grumpy we are. And off you go at lunch. To, to associate with your friends and talk about all the problems you have and what's driving you crazy. If you walk in and you're super pumped and uber excited and have a high emotional content running, which means your brain is producing high levels of serotonin, high levels neural peptides that you feel great are coming out, do people stop by and ask you, what are you happy about? Or do they go by you grumbling? Or if they ask you... Oh, what are you happy about this morning? They don't invite you to lunch because they don't want to go to talk to lunch about how great your life is. <laughs> they want to go to lunch to talk about So we're taught to blend in, even as children, to dial down the exuberant positive emotions. So when you're trying to remember your platoon mates as a counterbalance, because if you want to have a diagnosis, and it's not your fault you were a soldier. It's not your fault you were a woman that was raped. It's not your fault your parents were alcoholics. They abused you. So if you want to be depressed about it, or you want, to, you want to talk about it, that's a good thing, right? As opposed to what positive things... I've worked with some pretty desperate people that are in a lot of pain. You can always pull good memories out of no matter what happens. Remember, kids, always play soccer by bombed-out cars on Baghdad streets because that's what kids do. You know, they're going to be upset for a little bit, but... When you look at the body and mental health, about like, oh, all oh, these kids are traumatized. You know, if the American pharmaceutical industry could get their hands on them, you know, to start drugging them, they're doing drugs on kids as young as three years old. What you don't know in this arena will hurt you, and it hurts people you care about. There's more information out there. There are techniques out there that are as, as simple and as easy to use as the things I talked about this morning to positively remember the things that you like, to intensify them, to cool moss them, 
the car backfire goes off and it takes you a minute or five minutes to get the adrenaline to clean out of your body because you're going to be taught a technique about thinking pleasant, calming thoughts, whether you want to attach it to the night before or you just want to attach it to someplace else in your life. There's all different kinds of menus and roadmaps for you to play that will allow you to, to actively and when you do it repetitively and intensely, now it becomes very easy. And when the car backfire goes off, it's, it is just as quickly. The old song on the radio, guess what the counterpart to that tool is? There's an old song on the radio we said could actually be a song. I gave you an example where it's a voice coming out of a cubicle. You can always create and repetitively and intensely program in your mind a new song on the radio. So if you want to play Rocky or, you know, I have clients pick movie soundtracks, Gladiator, Miracle, the ice hockey movie, um, Forrest Gump has some great, great songs. You pick, literally, their songs. That's a counterpart of about 15 different techniques that allow you to cool moss the experience to say, no, I'm not running that adrenaline or that car backfire. That did not, that does not get me running. And again, we're, when PTSD is taught as a disorder and is taught that you are in essence helpless or a victim of this experience and they're drugging you to dissociate the memory process, well, the problem with drugs is when you dissociate medically, not cognitively, medically the negative emotion attached with the car bombing Based on the drug process, you can't associate the good memories and actually feel intense, positive memories of the time. It's a flatline effect. It cuts the top off of all the poppies in the field. So all the negative are gone, and if that's what your focus is, or that's what your fear is, okay, I feel better, but when I go to remember it as a positive, you can't do that either. It becomes a dissociated positive memory, so it becomes very helpless for people. There's a timeline in our memory processes that if we get far enough away from the memory, it's a year from your combat tour, it's someone dies, you know, grief in the new DSM-5, grief becomes a disorder. If you grieve for over more than a year, your child died, your parents died, and you're still grieving according to these criteria, over a year, you qualify for meds. You've got a disorder. Mental health. The insurance companies will pay for your treatment. You know, I, I get a rap that, that I really have it against meds. I don't. It's a life preserver. I said there was two. I don't know the exact statistics. I'm anecdotal now. One to five percent of severe mental illness, you know, paranoid, schizophrenia, multiple personality disorder. There's some severe mental issues out there. They're they're going to be in a longer medical environment. I understand that. I've worked in that environment, too, and quite frankly, couldn't handle it. God bless the people that work with severe mentally ill people. But those 5%, whereas when you start looking at statistics, 37 million men on ADD meds, 62 million on psychotropic, anti-depression, anti anti-anxiety, anti-bipolar, 
which has a depressive component, 62 million people are taking these meds. And, and again, I, I hope nobody's offended if you're on the meds right now. I'm not saying you're stupid, you're wrong, you're bad, or you have a loved one on the meds, because I get, I get audiences sometimes get really angry at me. You don't know what I'm going through. And I, I get that. I honor that. You, you don't know my son and, and the challenges he's had at school. And, and he's on Ritalin, and, and he's doing much better. Well, A, because he's now labeled as a kid on meds, the teacher's going to treat him differently. And two, literally, you have stupefied his brain down to the point that, that he functions more slowly. Boy, we, and now parents are mad at themselves. And, and I, I understand there's a lot of choices out there. Anybody, if you want to think about it and call me, I've got books, I've got a lot of information on these various topics. You really, really want to think about educating yourself if you have anybody that you care about that's suffering in our mental health system. First of all, it's not mental health. It's mental illness system. Here's a real tragedy. Because I'm an MSW, I can bill clients and their insurance will pay, but they won't do it for mental health. You can't come in here for peak performance and say, I want to get better. I have to. The only way they get treatment is they have to get a diagnostic code that says there's something wrong with them and we're fixing something. It's not a mental health system. It's a mental illness system. And the dollars at a 99% level that fund it are funded by pharmaceuticals. So for some people, they can get off the meds. And by the way, that's a very small number. Most of these people will be on meds the rest of their life. The ones that say, you know, I don't like the flat effect, it's, it's been six months, it's been a year, the, the more aggressive, powerful ones will, will want to come off the meds sooner, the, the, the learned helpless ones will stay on the meds longer. When they try to come off the meds, if they're lucky and there's no car backfires the day they come off meds and it's two years later because we know there's going to, because the car backfire now in this technology becomes an old song on the radio. As long as the old song didn't come on the radio, you know, perhaps you're going to be lucky. And if it's a year later, bam, you know, the adrenaline's running. But, whoa, I'm going to get this under control. And we don't manage stress well in our culture. We're taught to just soldier through it, muscle through it, get past it. And then if you can't, well, we've got a cornucopia of meds that we can help you with. And so you go to your GP and say, hey, I've been really depressed about this, blah, blah, blah. The point is... When you, if you have friends or you or someone you care about suffers from PTSD, there is a whole nother world out here in the world of potentiality and peak performance and power, scientific studies that back up. You don't need meds to literally rewire things at a very fundamentally intense, powerful way in your mind. You're not a slave to these patterns have far more control over them than you know. Thank you for listening to the Inevitable Podcast. Please visit our website for more information on this extraordinary coaching system at www.theinevitableu.com. Then sign up for your two-week free trial of our membership to gain access to hundreds of hours of amazing content and tools just like this.